Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. That there is a place where God's presence and blessing is promised in a very special and pronounced way. Where miracles are possible, where advancing in life could happen, where strength and encouragement that's supernatural could come. Would you want to be in that place? What if it was a place where you could be freshly filled with God's Spirit and God's all-powerful spoken word over your life, giving you spiritual boldness that you need? to impact other people around you? Would you come to this place? What if this place was an an oasis, an oasis of healing, where people prayed for you and you could experience restoration for your soul and healing in areas of your life where you need it most? Would you adjust your schedule to get to that place I think all of us would say yes. And the good news is, there is a place where all of this could happen. It's called the gathering place of God's people. The gathering place, listen, this is a place where God's people gather together in the unity of the Holy Spirit to worship God and minister to one another In the power of the Holy Spirit, releasing God's supernatural help over each other's lives. The blessing and the presence of God is promised on the gathering place. If you have a Bible, it's not on the screen, but I'm reminded of it right now. Look with me real quickly at Psalms 133. Psalm 133. This is written by David. And he says this, he says, behold, look, pay attention, lean in, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters in the Lord to dwell together, to gather together, to live together, to unite together in unity. That's not just social unity, it's the unity of the Spirit. It's the unity that comes to brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's saying this, and then he goes on and he says, listen, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Now, some of you might be thinking, what is that? Well, let me, let me just bring some light, okay? The oil that David refers to is anointing oil. It was this special oil that God told Moses to make so that it could be poured on Aaron the priest. And as it was poured on him, it symbolized the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God coming on the priesthood so that he could represent God to the people so that God can move through his life. He says, when we all gather together in the spirit of the unity of the Holy Spirit, it's like that. 
It's like the Holy Spirit coming down on the priesthood of God. And it runs down the beard. And it runs down the edge of His garments. It touches every part of the body of Christ. And then He switches examples and He said, it's also like the dew of Hermon. Descending on the, on the mountains of Zion. Now, the dew of Hermon, you might be thinking, what's that? Well, Hermon was a high mountaintop outside of Jerusalem. And everyone knew that the dew that fell on Mount Hermon was so thick, it was so flourishing, that on the driest of nights, if you camped in a tent there, you'd wake up in the morning and it seemed like it rained all night. This is dew that came from God. This is dew that came from heaven. And it was a big deal to the people of Jerusalem because that dew would find its way down onto the lower parts of the mountains that were in Jerusalem. And it would bring refreshing. It would bring water. It would bring sustenance. Actually, it would bring life. So he's saying when we gather together as God's people in the unity of the Holy Spirit, it's like that. It's special. It's from God. It's something that we should be excited about. It's something that we should get happy about. And then, catch this at the end of verse 3. He says, for there, somebody say there. There, there, where God's people are dwelling together. Where God's people have made an intentional decision to come out and to gather with the people of God. There, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Somebody say the blessing. The blessing isn't stuff. The blessing in Hebrew is the power of God spoken over someone's life, giving them the capacity to live a rich life to the full in the power of God kind of life. He's saying there, where my people gather, there, where they're united in the Holy Spirit, there my presence, there my blessing, there my power, there my grace there my healing, there my restoration abides. It's a very, very special place, the gathering place. Pastor Robert, you know, you're pretty excited about this. I am excited about this because we've been in a series that we're calling the gathering place. Again, listen in. The gathering place is where believers gather together to worship God and to minister to one another, building each other up, and bringing encouragement to the body of Christ. Now this is important to us because we feel like as a church that God has given us a direction for 2023 or a theme. And you've heard it. Who knows it? Say it with me. A heart for the house and hands for the... Come on, say it again. A heart for the... And hands for the... Pastor Robert, what does that mean? Well, we just believe as a church and as pastors that God wants us, you and I, individually and all of us corporately, to realign our hearts to God, to realign our commitments to God. That doesn't mean God only. That means to God's house, not the building, the people. The house is the family. It's the household. It's the brethren. It's the brothers and the sister of the Lord. God is saying, Will you step in? Will you open your heart? Will you realign your heart? Put first things first. Put me first. Put my house first. By the way, when we put God first, man, He moves on our behalf. He begins to do things that we could have never done on our best day. And then He says, with the heart for the house, I want you to also have hands for the harvest. What, are we farmers, Pastor Robert? In a sense, we are. We're farming people that are lost. 
We're farming people that are outside of the things of God. We're on the reach for Jesus. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are. So we want to lean in and say, Lord, use us. Use me. Use us as a church. However you want to use us, God. There's people around us, family members, neighbors, co-workers that are lost. They need the love of God. They need the grace of God. They need Jesus. How many believe God wants for us to have a heart for the house and hands for the harvest? He really does. So how are we going to accomplish this? Well, we've been talking about this. It's going to be accomplished if we begin to wrap our heads and our hearts around what we're calling a theology of place. Theology of place. You're not going to find that term in the Bible. Theology means a study of God. And what we mean is all throughout the Scriptures, the Scriptures point to the fact that God has called each believer to be devoted to three places. The secret place. What's the secret place? The secret place is where we meet daily and deeply with God. Come on, anybody reading their Bibles and praying at home? That's why we got the life journal. That's why we want to encourage you to be people of the word. Don't depend on me to feed you all the time. Become a self-feeder, amen? Become a self-feeder. That's good. And then the second place is the gathering place. That's what we're talking about here. By the way, you, you feed from the secret place to the gathering place. People who are doing well in the secret place, they usually do real well. They flourish in the gathering place. It just kind of spills over into the gathering place. We'll talk more about that. And then the third place that God has called us to be devoted to is the public place. Somebody say the public place. The public place is beyond the church. It's beyond the family. It's beyond the walls. It's where we work. It's where we do life. It's where moms play in the playground with their kids. It's where we go to the grocery store. God has called us to be a witness, to be a light in a lost and dying and darkened world. We want to be people that are moving out in the public place. Now, if you missed the last couple of weeks, go to our website, grab the podcast. I don't have time to go through that stuff. Today, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is simply this, Gathering with intentionality. Would you say it with me, church? Come on. Gathering with intentionality. You know what intentionality means, right? It means like you've got a goal. There, there's, there's, there's a win that we're after. It's purposeful. It's not haphazard. Our heart's in it. We're leaning in. Gathering with intentionality. Gathering's important. The gathering place is a blessing. There's all kinds of benefits to the gathering place. But now, how do we gather with intentionality. Let's start by looking at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to start in verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23, and I'm reading out of the God's Word translation. This is what it says. The writer is writing to the church. That's you and I. He says, we must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. The one who made the promise is faithful. Now, I want to pause because this scripture was mentioned last week, but we really didn't spend any time on it to kind of pull it apart and help us to understand what the writer is saying to us and where he's headed. So just taking that one verse, I want for you to know this, that the book of Hebrews was originally written to Jewish Christians who were experiencing persecution for their faith. They were under pressure. 
to give up and to turn away from Jesus. So much of this letter to this point has been explaining reasons to be confident that Jesus Christ is God's ultimate plan for mankind's salvation and mankind's blessing. And part of the encouragement to hold firmly given here comes from that perspective. That's the first thing I want you to know. And this is it. Christ is the fulfillment of God's will and promise for mankind. So we should resist the pressures of anything that would try to take us away from him and his promises. Can somebody say amen? Amen. At the same time, holding firmly comes in the context of several warnings in this book. The writer of Hebrews has cautioned the reader about the dangers of being careless, the dangers of being shallow, or not really concerned or all in in regards to their Christian faith. And a clear example is given in chapter 3 in regards to Israel standing right at the border of the promised land. And there, God promised to give them the land, but they didn't mix what they heard with faith. So the Bible tells us that they didn't go in and they didn't receive what God had planned and promised to them. And so this is an encouragement. It's a warning. Now let's continue in verse 24. Verse 24 says, We must also... That means in addition to holding firmly to God and His promises, we must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. Now let me pause. Look at the word consider. This word consider is the Greek word kata noeo. And I want you to understand what that means. Kata, K-A-T-A, noeo, N-O-E-O. Noeo comes from the Greek word for mind, nous, mind. Okay? Kata, noeo, or consider, it means to perceive with the mind. It points to the action of the mind in apprehending or thinking through and discovering certain facts or thoughts about other people around you. He says, let us consider how to encourage each other to show love and do good things. To encourage means to put courage in someone. To encourage means to put strength into someone. He goes on and he says in verse 25, we should not stop. Come on, say not stop. Not stop. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. So apparently, some of the believers stopped gathering with the believers. It doesn't say why. Maybe it was because they were under intense persecution for following Jesus, and they just decided to distance themselves. Maybe they were getting careless. Maybe there was pressures of the world, and it kind of pulled them away. Maybe they were doing other things instead of that. It doesn't really say, but it does say that we shouldn't stop gathering with other believers, as some of you are doing. He goes on and he says, instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord returning or coming. This is reference to the Lord's return. So this is full of encouragement to continue to meet in the gathering place. Let me share a little bit with you from a commentary. Now, you got sandals on? Anybody wearing sandals? No. 
Good, good. I'm about to step on some toes. <gasps> very gently, very gently. Oh, Joni could take it. Joni could take it. Listen, listen, listen. Gathering together with other Christians is not merely a suggestion. It's a command from God. Relationships with other believers are one way to be encouraged to live out the faith we proclaim. We are called to hold firmly through our own spiritual maturity. Growth in faith, however, is greatly influenced and affected by having Christian examples around us who will spur us on in our faith. This is one of the reasons why gathering with other brothers and sisters in the Lord is so important. Now, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, then this doesn't apply to you. You're off the hook. But it's at least good to know what's expected of you if you decide to join the family. Because this is God's heart. And there's a bunch of reasons for it. This verse specifically disapproves of failure on the part of Christians to meet with other Christians. Now, the Greek word here where it says, not forsaking in the New King James or forgetting, it literally means don't abandon the gathering together. Don't neglect the gathering together because it implies a failure to do something that we ought to be doing. In clear terms, Christians have an obligation to fellowship with other Christians. And this is not only necessary for discipleship, but so that we can meet each other's needs and encourage and inspire other Christians in their faith. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, I don't know if you know this, but statistically across the globe, more and more Christians are pulling back from Sunday gatherings. A lot of it was happening before COVID, but when COVID hit, it really, really magnified that. A lot of people began to tune into services via the couch, and they never got off of them. I know a lot of people, they're still not engaged in in-person gatherings. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with staying home on an occasion and watching it on the couch if you can't get here. But that wasn't God's intent. Amen? You can't minister to other people by yourself on the couch. Gathering together is biblical. Gathering together is beneficial. Gathering together is a blessing. But how do we gather with intentionality? That's what I want to get to real quickly. I want to give you four ways that we can gather with intentionality. Number one, if you're writing notes, here's the first way. Make church gatherings a priority. Come on, say it with me, church. Make church gatherings a priority. I heard somebody say the key is not to prioritize your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. There's a difference. There's a difference. There are things that are important, and then there are things that are urgent. The urgent things, like a phone ringing, unless you answer it, it's not going to stop ringing. you got to answer it or let it go to voicemail. It's just going to ring and ring and ring. may not be so important, but completely urgent. you got to answer it. Other things aren't as urgent, but they're way more important. That's a gathering place. Way more important. It's important that we make church gatherings a priority. If you look at the early church in the book of Acts, Acts 2.42, for example, and they continued steadfastly or daily, in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers, in the 
early church, we would see them meeting house to house daily and in the temple. Pastor Robert, are you saying you want me to come to your house every day? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying we have to come here every day. All I'm saying is the scriptures point to the fact that we should make our gatherings a priority. And one of the ways that we can gather effectively is to have that mindset. It's to have that heart set to make our church gatherings a priority in our life. We're not saying don't take care of your family. I'm not saying don't take care of your family. I'm not saying don't be committed to your career. Be committed to your career. I'm certainly not saying you can't ever miss if you need to miss. And I don't think that's God's heart either. But as we're learning to put and to keep God first, we have to learn a healthy biblical rhythm between God's family and our family. God doesn't want you to abandon your family. God doesn't want you to take care of your family. But God doesn't want us to abandon his family either. God doesn't want us to leave his family all on its own either. Amen? So it's a very sensitive thing, but it's a Holy Spirit thing. And he's going to lead us to truth. And he's going to lead us to this delicate biblical balance between biological family and career and hobbies and his family. And when it comes to Sundays... Many, many people make it one or two Sundays a month. Now, as your pastor, don't hear that with any condemnation. I want to be as gracious and as loving and as kind before the Lord as I possibly can. But personally, uh, I think one or two Sundays a month is below par. I think we should shoot for par. That's four Sundays. But when something comes up and I'm sick or I've got a vacation scheduled or I've got something that I'm looking forward to that I've planned and I have to miss, well, then I miss. But personally, as a pastor, I wouldn't encourage you to plan to miss. I wouldn't encourage you to plan to not be here. I don't know how many weeks are in a year off the top of my head. I don't know how many hours are in a month off the top of my head. I don't know how many hours in a week. Anybody know off the top of their head? I know how many hours are in a day. How many? Okay, 24 hours in a day. How many in a week? How many hours is Sunday service? Not very many. Depends who's preaching, right? What are you trying to say, Pastor Robert? A Sunday gathering usually is about two hours, maybe a little further if you drive far. But then we got the rest of the week, all those hours. You can plan your vacations. You can plan family time. You can plan hobbies. You can plan fishing. Come on, I got any fishermen in the house. You can plan whatever you want. But my, I, I'm just encouraging you. I'm not condemning you. I wouldn't plan to not be with the gathering. There's something special. There's something powerful on the gathering place when God's people gather together. Come on, somebody say amen. The church needs you. And you know what? You need the church. You need the church. Number two, number two, we're talking about four ways we can gather with intentionality. Number two, come full 
and ready to minister to others. Now, Pastor Robert, what are you saying? I have to minister to others? You don't have to minister to others. And I know that people are at different levels in their walk with the Lord, different levels in their maturity level. Some of us come and we need to be fed. Some of us come and we're ready to feed other people. Some of us come and we're kind of in between. But when we develop this secret place habit and we're learning to be filled with God's Word and God's Spirit little by little by little, when we come to the gathering place and we make ourselves available and we're full. Full of what? Full of the Spirit. Full of God's Word. God will give us opportunities to minister, to serve, to pray for, to encourage, to strengthen, to take someone to lunch, to open a car door. To, to You know who's great at this? I'm going to brag on her. She might be embarrassed, but I just bragging because she's, she's, so, she's so full of the love of God. Barbara's great at this. Barbara, I've been going to church for almost 30 years. I've never known anyone in the church who comes with 50 gifts at Christmas time ready to pass out to everybody in the church. I've never met anybody like that. I, it's just amazing. She comes and she's ready to do good work. She's coming, she's full, and she's ready to love. Even during Valentine's month, she comes and she wants to bring cards and she wants to express God's love. On Wednesday night, she wants to cook spaghetti and meatballs and omelets and food for the people that are gathering in our Wednesday night fellowship. She comes full and ready. And so if we want to have gatherings that are powerful and, and intentional and, and serving one another, it's important we come full and ready. Listen, if you're an early riser, hey, come on, don't watch all kinds of Facebook stuff and the news. And If you're an early riser on Sunday, hey, get your cup of coffee, get your Bible open and begin to worship God, begin to pray, begin to read, and ask the Lord to open up your heart to be able to serve and to minister to somebody when you come to the gathering place. Come full and ready. Amen. Now, I found a video. It's called The Analogy of the Long Spoons. And I just want to set it up for a second. It's short, so you've got to pay attention. There are no words, so you've got to let your heart and your mind to really pull in what God's going to show us in this video. It's a little tribal, looks a little strange at first, but I promise if you'll lean in, it will make sense because it paints a picture of people not just caring for themselves, but people who decide to come full and ready. Let's watch the video. Come on, can I get an amen? Did you see the color coming to that one's face when somebody else fed him? What a great picture of the gathering place. When we make a decision, it's not all about me. 
And we make ourselves ready and full for God to use, to reach and to feed, to encourage and to strengthen and to love and to pray for and to nurture people around us. Isn't that what he was referring to here? He said in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. We shouldn't stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. Wow. God, help us to catch that. Help us to understand that it's not all about me. It's about coming full and ready and allowing the Holy Spirit to use me to encourage and strengthen and feed other people around me. I love what the Bible says in Proverbs 11.25 out of the Amplified Version. Listen. The generous man or woman is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he or she who waters will himself be watered reaping the generosity he has sown. What's the result, church, of coming full and ready to minister to other people? The result will be weekly gatherings that are refreshing, that are healing, and that are restoring for everyone who gathers. Amen? Okay, number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. We're talking about four ways that we can gather with intentionality. Who knows number one? Number one was, come on. Yes, make church gatherings a priority. And number two, we just looked at come full and ready to minister to others. Number three, you ready? Make yourself available. Come on, say it with me, church. Come on. Make yourself available. What do you mean, Pastor Robert? Well, let me give you a suggestion. Come 10 or 15 minutes before service and then make yourself available to linger for 10 or 15 minutes after service. Now, you don't have to spend all that much time here, but if you come just a little bit early and stay a little bit late, what does that do? It gives you an opportunity to connect with someone who maybe you don't normally connect with. It gives you an opportunity to get to know somebody just a little bit Maybe you need prayer and it didn't happen during the service and the Lord would give an opportunity for prayer to take place after service. Maybe you need to pray for someone and God will show you who that someone is after you're hanging out for a few minutes. Listen, the pastor can't pray for everybody all the time. The, the couple of leaders in their church can't pray for everybody all the time. This is something that God wants us to do together. Are you saying, Pastor Robert, I have to come and pray for people? Oh my gosh, I can't even pray by myself. I'm not going to pray for people. That's not what I'm saying. Those of you who can, the Lord will give you opportunity to do it. Those of you who need, need prayer, the Lord will give you opportunity to receive prayer. As He's maturing us to minister to one another, as He's maturing us as the body of Christ, and we just make ourselves available We'll be able to serve each other and our gatherings will be much more powerful, much more effective, and we'll reach each other with the love of God in a way that we would have never reached Him if we showed up at 9.59 and we left at 11.16. Amen? So just come a little bit early and stay a little bit after. Look at James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 
Very, very powerful portion of Scripture. You've heard it before. James says this, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders or the leaders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Remember, the anointing oil is symbolic of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Pastor Robert, this says the elders of the church are supposed to pray. Yes, in this particular verse and in this context, that's what it says. But how many know all throughout the scripture? Praying for one another is not something limited to the pastor or the elders, the leaders of the church, right? We're supposed to one another. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible, right? And we're supposed to learn how to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to love one another, to share with one another, to strengthen one another. So this is not limited just to the elders of the church. Notice what happens here. When prayer is offered in faith by one another, that person could be made well. That person could be made whole. That person could be forgiven. That person could be restored. So when we make ourselves available, God moves through us and God does things through us that otherwise wouldn't have happened had we not made ourselves available. Can you say amen? Okay, one final way that we can gather with intentionality. You ready? Number four, simple. Be an example. Come on, say it with me. Be an example. Now, I think there's a lot of things that we could point to when I say be an example. I'm not being legalistic. And if you're not doing these, I don't want you to feel any guilt or condemnation. These are just thoughts that I thought of that can lean towards being an example. Okay? For example, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. Pastor Robert, you sure make a big deal about that. Yeah, I do, because I believe that this is God's Word. And I believe that those of us who bring our Bible, we're an example to other people, especially unbelievers or people that are newer to the faith. They see that we got our Bible, we're leaning in, we're taking notes, we're highlighting things. Come on, my wife's been reading her Bible for 30 years. She doesn't have to bring her Bible, especially because she listens to me every day. She don't have to bring her Bible. She probably knows what I'm going to say before I say it. But she brings it. She brings it because she wants to be an example and because she wants to honor the Lord and because she knows God's Word is powerful and if we'll just lean in, He'll speak, He'll show something, He'll point something, we'll catch something. So being an example could be a person who brings their Bible. Another thing that could be an example is you lean in and you participate in worship. I'm not trying to load you down with doing it my way. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm not saying you better do this. I'm just saying... The Bible gives us different ways that we could lean in to worship in our gatherings. It really doesn't have to do with whether or not I'm an introvert or an extrovert. We're a little different. I'm an, I'm an introvert. Can you tell I'm an introvert? Just kidding. You don't have to worship like me. I'm just saying, let's look at the Word. The Word says, clap your hands. The Word says, lift your hands. The Word says, shout. The Word says, make a joyful shout. The Word says, cry. The Word of the Lord could be silent sometimes. There's all kinds of different ways that we can worship. 
so we could be an example by engaging in worship, right? At the church we used to go to in California, our pastor over there would say, hey, be an example and sit in the first two rows. Be an example and sit in, because you're hungry, you're leaning in, you're up front, you're paying attention. As a matter of fact, that was part of one of our discipleship programs. You had to lean in, and you had to sit in the first two rows, and you had to bring your Bible, you had to bring your journal, you had to take notes, and you had to lean in. Why? You don't get to heaven if you do that? No, no, no. I'm not being legalistic. It's an example. How many of you like sports? Any sports fans up here? Okay, so let me break it down for you. Any Panther fans? You need prayer, brother. You need a lot of prayer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Any Panther fans? We got a Panther fan here. Let's say... Uh, let's say I, I said, Joey, I'm going to buy you and I some tickets to a big Panther game, whichever one that is, a big one, a big one, man. And then I would say, you would say amen, right? And then I would say, okay, I would say this, which tickets do you want me to get? Let me finish. The nosebleeder tickets? Way up there? Or you want me to get 50-yard line tickets? Right there, man. I mean, the sweat is falling off of them. And you can hear what the coach is saying. You want those tickets or do you want the nosebleeder tickets? Right? 50-yard line's pretty good, right? I've been on the 50-yard line. That was pretty good. Are there better tickets? Are there better tickets? How, how about the box? How about the box? Is the box good? The box is good. I've been in a box before. Man, they got some good food in the box. Let me tell you right now. You're not up close, but you feel like you're up close. What's the point you're trying to make? Every gathering we go to that we're excited about, we want good seats. Let me tell you, there's something about being up in the front. Those are good seats. Those are good seats. And we don't charge extra for those. You can get in right there, and the presence of God is right in the front. Right, Rose? I guarantee you, you won't fall asleep. Stay awake. Be an example. Be an example. Come on. Being, somebody say, Lord, help me be an example. Take notes, engage, respond. Be hungry. Come on, be hungry. Be hungry. Be hungry for what? Be hungry for God. Be hungry for the Lord. Be hungry for His presence. Be hungry for His power. Anybody been tracking what's been happening at the Asbury Awakening in Kentucky? I haven't been there, but I've been watching it. It's just this small little town with one street and they started a, a, a service there for the students and the faculty, I think, 10 days ago. And they had a simple message. And he talked about revival and the love of God. And then it never stopped. And if you're tracking with it, it's still happening right now. And thousands upon thousands of people have already visited. And there's still thousands of people visiting all of the sanctuaries on the campus, from what I understand, are overflowing. And some of the, the footage I saw, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people outside of the sanctuary wanting to get in. Why? Why? They're hungry for the presence and the power of God that comes on the gathering place. Lord, give us a greater hunger for you. Give us a greater desire for you. Pull us away from things that distract and things that occupy our mind and waste our time. Give us a hunger and a desire for the things of a spirit. Give us a greater hunger and a desire for the things of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Father God, fill us with your love. Fill us with your power. Saturate us. 
satisfy us. The most longing, desperate parts of our souls, Lord God. We ask that you would fill us to the overflow. Saturate our spirits. Help us become hungry and desperate for you so that we can be awakened, so that we can be quickened, so that we can begin to develop a heart for the house and hands for the harvest as your people. The way you want us to, God. We're so, so desperate for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen, amen. I love, I love, I love the gathering place. So here's my heart. I don't want you to ever feel like if you don't come to service that I'm mad or I'm being legalistic. We're closing now. You can stand to your feet. I just want you to know that as pastors and leaders... We're not going to give in to the culture. We're not going to give in to the world. We're not going to give in to all of the different things that distract and pull and are competing for our time in the gathering place. We're going to stay with it. By the way, we serve a God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what it says in Romans 4.17. And also in the book of Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and you will reap the consequences of what you say. Will you join me as a church family and speak the life of God over our Gastonia campus? Speak the life of God over our Gastonia family. Speak the life of God over everyone who calls this campus their home church. I have a detailed list of every adult and every single child, and I'm speaking the life of God over all of them. We're a smaller campus. We've got about 60 people, adults and kids, that claim this place as their house of God. Will you begin to speak life over them? Will you begin to speak life and grace and love and power over them? Would you pray for us and ask God to give us a greater hunger for Him and His family over everything and anything else? I believe that if we do that, We'll experience God in a fresh and a powerful way. And guard your mouth. When you come in on a Sunday morning and we're not overflowing yet, that's a perfect time to allow the spirit of faith to be released out of your heart and your mouth. Father, I thank you for life in this God's house. Father, I thank you that you're bringing things to life in people's heart. Father, I thank you that life and death are in my tongue and I'm speaking life over this house. Father, use us to reach people in the community. You know how many people I talk to? How many people I invite to services? How many people I'm praying for? We're ministering to so many people in this community. Some of them are coming, but many of them haven't stepped in yet. There's a resistance from the enemy that's trying to keep people from stepping into the life that can only come through a relationship with Jesus. Will you begin to pray with me and pray that God's power would be released through us so that We can have hands for the harvest. Would you pray with me? Father, we just love you. We honor you and we bless you. We thank you for the gathering place. We thank you for your blessing and your presence and your power on the gathering place. Lord, we invite your spirit. We ask that you would refresh us and you would heal us. You would restore us. You would invigorate us with faith and power every time we gather and lift the name of Jesus. We declare this over God's house. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.